Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. and I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Just worship. Hallelujah. Father, we love you today. We bless your name, Lord. We give you glory. Hallelujah. We give you honor, Lord. For there is none like you, Lord. Hallelujah. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. <laughs> You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom the Lord hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, musicians. Thank you for lifting our spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you for ushering in, welcoming the presence of God. We give God the highest praise. And we bless him and thank him for his mercy, his grace, his loving kindness, his faithfulness. Has God been faithful to you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, he has. We thank him right now. Thank you, Lord. To my friend Bishop Jackson, God bless you. Thank you, Bishop, for this opportunity to the elect lady, Sister Jackson. Bless you. Certainly to my own wife, Minister Linda Adams. Amen. Stand up, baby. Ain't a whole lot of folk, but just... Wave your hand, stand up, do something, amen. Thank you, Jesus. 37 and a half years, y'all. Yeah, God a keeper. He's a keeper, amen. To all the ministers of the gospel here at Tabernacle, praise to the officers, the officials here, to every one of God's children, we give God glory. Thank you for being here this evening with us for this holy convocation. If you don't mind, I want to give a shout out to our very own Dr. Mary Ratchford and Deaconess Melissa Robinson from Big Calvary. Thank you all for coming tonight just to support us. We're not going to be long, I hope. <laughs> but I believe that there's something that the Lord wants us to see. And right before I walked up here, it's as if the Spirit of God said that this is critical. And it may not be anything new to you, but it is something that the body of Christ needs to understand in this hour. Because we're facing things that are coming not only on the nation, but in the world. And we have to understand how to how to adapt 
to what the Spirit of God is doing. And so I want to share with you a text out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 24 through 30 will be our text. But I'm going to come back to this somewhere in the message. But if you don't mind, look with me there. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through verse 30. When you have it, say amen. amen. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Can you say amen? amen. I want to talk to you tonight, part one of a message Another look at evangelism. Another look at evangelism. Father, as we look into your word tonight, it is not by might nor by power, but it is only by your spirit. We ask for your wisdom now, your revelation knowledge that comes from you, Holy Spirit, that you reveal your word to us tonight. And join our hearts to yours. Make your word plain. Speak to each one of us that we have an understanding of the mission that is before us at this critical hour. We thank you, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beloved, the phenomena of groupthink occurs when a group of people conform to a particular standard or way of thinking without the critical reasoning or evaluation of the consequences or alternatives. In other words, when a person conforms to groupthink, they choose not to exercise individual creativity or expression. And instead, they refuse to embrace a sense of personal responsibility. You see, groupthink is about having a common desire not to upset the balance of the group. Groupthink is when you agree just to get along. Groupthink is when you seek to maintain the status quo, to keep things normal, to not rock the boat, to monitor the group norm. It was groupthink that was present when Jesus was being crucified. Mark chapter 15 tells us around verse 6 that Pilate had sought 
to release unto the Jews a prisoner. And he brought forth Jesus, but he also brought forth Barabbas. And he gave them the opportunity to choose who they wanted to be released. But the scripture says that when he began to talk about releasing Christ, verse number 11 says that the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And so Pilate asked, then what should I do with the one that's called Christ? And they said, crucify him. Pilate said to them, why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. I, I believe that there were some people who were there that didn't really know what was going on. They might have just walked up on the crowd and, and heard the noise. And, 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 and no doubt Jesus had done well for them somewhere in the crowd. Maybe they had been part of the 5,000 men plus women and children that had been fed. Maybe they were part of those that got healed at one time or another. But now they walk up and they hear the crowd crying, crucify him. And because the crowd cried, they cried too. That's groupthink. A smaller version of groupthink is found in St. John chapter 21. After the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Peter decides that he's going fishing. And instead of recognizing that that's what Jesus called them from, all the other disciples said, we going to. So they all went out fishing following Peter, and that night they caught nothing. You see, groupthink is a phenomena that will cause people to get in the group and do what other folks do because it appears to be the right thing to do. But 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 when the Lord brought this to me, I Bishop, I was I was I was on the treadmill. I I oftentimes run downstairs and I tell my wife things because when I'm on the treadmill, it's like the Lord just come talk when I'm on the treadmill. And when I was on the treadmill, the Lord spoke to me that the church can be caught up in groupthink. But these were not the texts that he brought to me when he brought it to me. He brought to me a different text from Mark chapter 9 verse 38. When John, the, John the disciple comes to Jesus and he says, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name. And he followeth not us. And we forbade him because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, forbid him not. For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. See, beloved, John's problem was not that this person was doing the work of Christ. The problem was he wasn't part of their posse. He wasn't following their crowd. He, he wasn't part of their clique. He, he wasn't doing it their way. And for some unknown reason, I don't know what it was, some unknown reason, John, I don't know what made him think this, John thought he had the authority to tell somebody else what they couldn't do in the name of Jesus. They were caught up in groupthink. And it was then that the Lord revealed to me that the church can get caught up in groupthink as well. We can hear a certain thing preached. It sounds good. Folks are shouting. We enjoy it. 
And we, and we believe it to be so because we all had a blessed time. We can see the majority of people ascribing to a certain doctrine or way of teaching and we embrace it as truth because the majority agree with it. Some prominent television preacher can be preaching or teaching something that seems extraordinary, never heard before, and we jump onto it because of their prominence and popularity. But beloved, no matter what you call it, it's all groupthink. People conforming to a particular standard or way of thinking without giving critical thought or reasoning to what is being said, just going with the crowd. But see, the word of God commands and requires a different approach for the child of God. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 tells us that we have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen who need not to be ashamed, but who rightly divide the word of truth. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13. He says, till I come, give attendance. Pay attention. Give yourself to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. He says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Jesus looks at the Pharisees in John chapter 5, verse 39. He says, search the scriptures investigate examine the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me over and over and over and over God admonishes you and me that we not just take what somebody is saying to us but we need to study the book for ourselves as a matter of fact if you need to qualify Acts chapter 17 Round verse 10 says that the brethren from Thessalonica sent Paul and Silas away by night because the Jews wanted to kill them there. And they went over to a place called Berea. And the scripture says that those Berean saints were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In that number one, they received the word with all readiness of mind. You know what that means? To, to receive the word with readiness of mind? It means to know where you're going and know why you're going there. You're not there just to be in the crowd. You're not there just to be in the number. You're there to take, to get something, receive something from on high so that you can do something with it so that you can please the one who sent you there. They came with readiness of mind, but not only did they come with readiness of mind, they also, the Bible says, they were, they, 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 they search the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. They didn't just pick up their Bible on Sunday. They searched that word daily. See, beloved, going to worship service is fine. Attending a gospel concert is fine. Holding a position and serving in the church is fine. But, we won't, but, but, but when, when we won't study the word personally, it's easy for us to fall into groupthink. And this includes the area of evangelism. If anybody knows something about evangelism, I know a little something, something. Because every Saturday for a decade, at least a decade, I would go out and walk through the streets of Charlotte and pass out gospel tracks. Dr. Rasher, one day I was out there with gospel tracks 
and I walked up on a man with a brown paper bag. When I walked up on him, I went up to him, I told him, I said, Jesus love you. And I passed him a gospel track, and I told him, I said, man, God's got a plan for your life. And I walked on. It wasn't until I got about three blocks down that I realized I had walked up on the drunk, the, 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 uh, the drug dealer. You don't just walk up on a drug dealer. He don't know you. You don't know him. He might try to hurt you because he think you might be coming to rob him. But beloved, I was so caught up in trying to serve the kingdom that I just walked up on him no matter because I had, I believe, Brother Hoskins, that, that God would protect me while I was out there. So I really knew something about getting out, sharing the gospel. But the problem was that after all those years of walking out there, passing out tracts and praying and witnessing the people, I never saw much fruit come from that work. More fruit came when I spent time with folks, when I knew folks, when I established relationship with folks. More folks like that came to the church than anybody that I ran into and just handed them a gospel track. And God want us to get another glimpse of evangelism. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Beloved, Jesus here signifies that the kingdom of God is bigger than the areas in which we live. It is bigger than America. It is bigger than the church. It is bigger than any one continent or any domain. The kingdom of God consists of things in the seen and the unseen realm. Let me say that again. The kingdom of God consists of things in the seen and the unseen realm. Listen, Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Understand, beloved, that Jesus' authority is not limited to the body of Christ. He reigns and rules over everything. He's Lord in heaven and he's Lord in earth. He's Lord on your house, he's Lord at your house, and he's Lord at the White House. No matter where you go, Jesus is Lord. Folks don't want to serve him, but he's still Lord. Yet while the kingdom is bigger than any one domain or concept, it is through the vehicle of the church that God has chosen to reveal the truth to the world. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 says that it's God's will to make all men see what is this fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world was hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. God has chosen the church to be the vehicle to reveal the kingdom. 
In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 19, Peter now is at Caesarea Philippi with Christ. And after being asked, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Peter looks at him and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and says to him, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God equips the church with the authority and the ability to restrict and to loose. It's through the church that God has chosen to reveal kingdom business. Uh, let me say it again. It's through the church that God has chosen to reveal his kingdom. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm the church. I'm the church. See, you got to get past just brick and mortar. You got to understand nobody gets saved by the building. When folks ask you what church you go to, they're not asking you what building you go to. They want to know what people you are part of, what fellowship, what presence what anointing do you what do you do you dwell in why because they see a, a, an effectual work happening in you and because they see an effectual work happening in you they want to know how they can be in that environment so that effectual work can work in them oh come on here see god has chosen through the church that he's going to make known the reality of his kingdom Mark chapter, rather Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. John the Baptist preaches the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus preaches the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, he tells his disciples to preach the kingdom. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, Philip preaches the kingdom. In Acts chapter 19, verse 8, the apostle Paul preaches the kingdom. Yet, beloved, in an earlier mention of the kingdom is found in the Old Testament in a place and at a time not many people recognized. In Daniel chapter 2, the Bible says Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He dreams this dream and he sees this statue that is built from different types of parts and pieces. And yet Nebuchadnezzar lacks the capacity to understand what he sees. And so he calls for the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and the wise men. And he called them in to ask them to tell him the dream and the interpretation thereof. The wise men begin to say to him, O king, tell us the dream, and we will tell you the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar says, the thing is gone from me. I don't remember it. He says, and I know that you're trying to buy time because you want me to tell you the dream so that you can just babble something back out to me and make me think that you know what you're talking about. They begin to tell him, oh, king, no, no king, no, no wise king has ever asked this of any wise man, any, any called in, any astrologer. 
Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't tell me the dream and the interpretation thereof, he says, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take your family out. And nobody's going to remember you. And when they could not tell him, Nebuchadnezzar got angry. When he got angry, he sent the edict out that the wise men there in Babylon should be killed. But the Bible says that Daniel finds out that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar want to kill the wise men. Now, y'all remember them brothers, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, y'all remember them? They were wise men. Now, they were, in, they were in captivity, but they were wise men. And so they were on the list to be killed as well. And the scripture says that when Daniel inquired why the king wanted to kill the wise men, and he heard from the captain of the king's army why the king wanted to kill the wise men. Then you went and asked Nebuchadnezzar, give me a little bit of time and I'll tell you the interpretation. Come on, somebody. We got to rise up to a place where we can get bold and be able to tell somebody, give me a little bit of time and I'll tell you what happened. See, you, you, you listen, this is not something you can do from your own intellect. This is not something you can do because you know a couple of folks. The only way you can tell somebody what you're going to do is you got to talk to the one who has power over everything. The Bible says that Daniel went and spoke to his homeboys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse number 17 of Daniel chapter 2 says that he made known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you got to realize that God will save the whole house just because you in it. Are y'all hearing me? There have been times I've been on a plane and we hit some turbulence, Bishop, and that plane started rocking and raving and moving, and I find myself grabbing hold to the chair, and all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute. I'm saved. And God ain't done. Are y'all hearing me? You got to speak over your own life. You got to declare, I shall not die, but I'm going to live, and I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. You got to speak out of your death and life in the power of the tongue. You got your own tongue. Speak over your own life. Daniel went to his homeboys, and they began to pray. Verse number 19 of Daniel chapter 2 says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Help us, Holy Ghost. In verse 37, Daniel begins to reveal to Nebuchadnezzar his dream. He says, Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But he says, after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee and another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron 
For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. You historians understand biblically that now God reveals to Daniel the kingdoms that would rule in the earth. First, you have Babylon. Then you have Medo-Persia. Then you have Greece. This fourth kingdom is Rome. But then he says to him in verse 41, and whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. Now I want y'all to understand. Let me, let me slow down for a minute. I ain't going to be much longer. But most of what you see in government originated from the Roman system of government. So while Rome may not be ruling the world, its influence is influencing what happens every day with you. Ever heard of a Senate? You see, what you're seeing now in this nation and across the world is the influence of the Roman system of government. I want you to understand. So, so, so what you got to understand now, when he says that in verse 41, that the kingdom shall be divided. He wants you to understand that while the Roman, the Roman country or the nation broke up, its mannerisms, its behaviors, and its customs still exist today. It's important for you to understand that because what that does is that sets up for you what he says in verse 44. He says, in the days of these kings, did y'all catch that? In the days of these kings. Did y'all catch that? I, I, I want to know, did you catch that? See, that's important. He said, in the days of these kings, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Now let me tell you why that's important. Because what Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar is that God is going to establish a kingdom. But he's going to establish his kingdom while the other kingdoms are still established. I don't, I don't know if you caught that. While you still got a senate, God is setting up a kingdom. While you still got a monetary system, God is setting up a kingdom. While you still got a judiciary, God is setting up a kingdom. See, what you got to understand is that even though man think he's in charge, God is establishing a kingdom. That's why, that's why Jesus is in front of Pontius Pilate in John 18, verse 33. Pilate asked him, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus said, do you say this thing of yourself or did others tell you this of me? Pilate said, am I a Jew? He said, your own nation and the chief priest delivered you unto me. What have you done? Notice the words of Jesus. He said, my kingdom 
is not of this world. Brother Hoskins, he didn't say he didn't have a kingdom. He just said it wasn't of this world. Y'all understand? See, this world system can't influence God's kingdom. God wants you to understand that he's got a kingdom working in the middle of another kingdom. And they're trying to hold Christ back because they think he's a king like them. But they don't understand he's not a king. He's the king of kings. And his government is being infiltrated into the other kingdoms. Are y'all with me now? And so Jesus says to him, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from his. He didn't say he don't have a kingdom and he don't say that his kingdom ain't coming. He just said right now is not the time for me to let you see my kingdom. Pilate asked him, he said, are you a king then? He says, you say I'm a king. He said, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. How many of y'all can hear his voice? <laughs> if you hear his voice, you of the truth. See, you got to understand that God calls us into his kingdom. Nobody else may not ever recognize you. You may never get a plaque. They may never give you a certificate. You may never get a promotion, but you can still be part of the kingdom. Are you hearing me? Your name may never be up in lights. They may never put your name on a door anywhere. You may never hold a formal position of importance in the company. But just because they don't want to recognize you in that kingdom, God calls you into his kingdom. And the reason why this is important is in the text. Matthew chapter 13, 24 Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. He says, So let both grow together to the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather together first the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Beloved, I want you to notice something. I'm not going to expound on this whole text because it'll take us away from where we really want to go, but I just want to share something with you. Tares don't have a root system. They cannot survive on their own. 
So what tares will do is wrap themselves around wheat. They survive because of the presence of the wheat. I don't know if y'all hearing me. The tares couldn't be there except the wheat was first there. And if you pull up the wheat or if you try to pull up the tares, you're going to wrap the wheat out too because the tares are wrapped around the wheat. Are y'all with me? See, you got to understand now the metaphor here is that you got to understand your significance in the kingdom. You got to realize why, help me Holy Ghost, why you are where you are planted. You may think that God is not working on your behalf. You may think that everybody else getting promoted, but you're not. You may think that everybody else getting blessed, but you can't get the job like everybody. See, you got to understand that you're not on that job for your business. You're on that job for kingdom business. You've been put there not so that you can ascend, but you've been put there so that Jesus can ascend. You were put there not that folks can recognize you, but you were put there so folks can recognize Christ in you. You are an infiltrator. You've been put in the input on the inside because the kingdom wanted you there. You may not meet all the qualifications of the job. You may not have all the right degrees for the job. You may not have had the appropriate training for the job, but you still got the job anyway. Why did you get the job? Because you are there on kingdom assignment. So somebody can understand this. Drop down to verse 36 of the text, Matthew 13. Then sent Jesus the multitude away. And he went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. Say that with me. The field is the world. Say it again. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Are y'all with me now? The enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and, and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who hath ears to hear, let him hear. See, beloved, all our born-again lives, we've been told to run from the world. Second <laughs> yeah. Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Wherefore come ye out from among them, 
and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Bishop, all our time, we've been told, stay away from the world. Don't be around the world. Don't go around the world. Yet, beloved, Jesus is calling us to go to the world. Matthew 28 verse 19 Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he says but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth listen to him pray in John 17 15 to the Father he says I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Beloved, God is not trying to keep us out of the world. He just don't want us to act like the world. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says in verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, Yet not all together with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then must you needs go out of the world. The New International Version says it like this. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. See, what Paul is trying to tell us is that if there's a brother or a sister who's living an ungodly lifestyle, separate yourself from that person. But you can't separate yourself from all the immoral people of the world. You can't stay away from all the liars. You can't stay away from all the cheaters. You can't stay away from all the fornicators. And God don't want you to. Because if the light leaves the room, there's nothing there but darkness. I hope y'all with me. See, beloved, Jesus said, the work is in the field. It's where God placed you. Whatever your occupation, if you're a social worker, your work is in the field. If you're a missionary, your work in the field. If you work at the fast food joint, your work is in the field. If you're an office worker, your work is in the field. If you're a mailman, your work is in the field. I don't care what your occupation is. If you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, I don't care where, if you're a school teacher, your work is in the field. And the problem that the church has created in this day and time is that we so busy trying to get out the world, we leaving the world to the devil when God is telling us to go in the world and be the light of the world because the work is in the field. The field is the place of ministry. 
The field is the place of harvest. The field is the place of business, the place of commerce, the place of community where God has planted you. The field is the harvest Jesus told us to pray for laborers to come to. We need to be praying for God to send Holy Ghost filled laborers to work on our job. Why? Because when you are on the job living for Jesus, you are a greater witness to them by your lifestyle than you ever will be by handing them a gospel tract. And the church has lost its sight. We forgot that he tells us that we have to let our light shine before men. That they see our good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19. He says, for though I be free from all men. Yet have I made myself servant unto all. Let me tell you something. You got to stop complaining about your job. You got to stop griping. You got to stop moaning. And you got to start shining. If you act like the folks around you, you can't be a good testimony. But when you adopt what Paul says, though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. He says to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law is under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law is without law, not being without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some and this I do for the gospel's sake Paul is not saying act like them he's saying understand how to communicate with them don't be like them be in a place where you know how to speak and minister to them on the level that they're on if they speak this language you got to understand the language they speak so that you're able to pour into them what are you telling me pastor adams i'm telling you that another look at evangelism causes us to understand that witnessing is not just setting up a gospel tent witnessing is not just passing out a gospel track but witnessing is going to work on time every day doing your job serving God on your job being an example of what it means to be a child of God putting a smile on your face encouraging somebody praying for somebody laying hands on somebody being in a vessel available vessel that Jesus can use on your job You can win more folks on your job than you ever will someplace else because they see you every day. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.15 that we need to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that's within you with meekness and fear. Beloved, when you understand that your job is to represent the kingdom on your job, folks will find you 
when nobody else is around, they'll hang out in the break room just to see you. And when you come in there, they'll say, can I talk with you for a minute? Do you have time? Are you hearing me? See, the church got to wake up because the world ain't got smart. They tell you you can't talk about Jesus on the job. You can't proselytize. You can't witness. You can't put no God. Hey, listen, you think you cute and slick leaving that gospel track in the break room? They know it's you. They know it's you, Brett Fred. Then left another gospel track. We're going to have to talk to them. They know it's you. That's not how you got to see. So you got to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. And if you live the life, if you testify about what God is doing, if you let people see Jesus standing up in you, people are going to come to you when you least expect it and begin to ask you a reason of the hope that's within you. And when that happens, you begin to talk to them and you begin to testify of who God is, where he brought you from, what he did through you, what he's doing in you, where he's taking you to. And the next thing you know, you come to church and guess what, Bishop? They'll be sitting right here with them. Because they would have seen, listen, they're watching your life. They're looking at you. They're examining what you do. They're watching and they're participating and, and, and they, they are, they are, they are reviewing your life. And when you stand for Christ with your life, you can great, you can create a greater witness with your life than you ever can with your word. We were on our way here, and my wife was talking to a childhood friend. Hadn't talked to her in decades. I'm driving. I'm just listening. And I heard the lady say to my wife, these young people today, you can't just tell them something. They want to see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 10 says, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Back in the day, we listened to ABC, CBS, and NBC. But today, they pale in comparison to 24-hour news cycles and cable, the internet. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all these different media, social media sources are pumping information into the lives of young people daily. And most of it is misinformation. It's a lie because it sits up under the system of the king of this world, the little G God, the one who blinds the minds of them which believe not. So God needs a Bible. I ain't got it. I'm done. You got it, brother. You got it. God needs a Bible that you don't read with words. He needs a Bible where the word <laughs> becomes flesh and dwells among us. 
and we behold his glory. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm telling you. As of the only got begotten of the Father. For, what are you telling me? I'm telling you that the spirit of Christ in you wants to rise up in you so that you become a living testimony of the written book so that when people see you and then they read the word, they see the word being fulfilled in you before they ever saw it in black and white. And they become to know that the same Bible that they're reading now that transform your life can transform their life and therefore they want to be a part of where you are so that they can get the same thing you got so that they can experience the joy and the peace that you walk in and when they experience that joy and peace you walk in, they're going to take that joy and peace right back into their circles, back into their areas of influence, back into their acquaintances in their homes and the next thing you know, you gonna flood this church out, not because you passed out gospel tracts, but that you made yourself available to be a living breathing word for God's people. This is what he means. This is what he's calling us to. This is who the church has to be as we enter into this next season of uncertainty. Stand to your feet with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Beloved, we're not remiss to not give this opportunity that there may be someone here who has not yet accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you're in this, this room tonight, and you're not sure, you don't have confidence that it is well between you and Christ right where you're standing while every head is bowed just raise your hand tonight if you desire prayer I want to extend this invitation to you just to step forward. Maybe you need the grace of God. Maybe there are some areas on your job, in your community, in your own home, among your own acquaintances, where some relationships did not pan out well, where you may have even been mistreated, done wrong. Because of that, you withdrew yourself. But hearing this word tonight, you realize that you're on assignment. That you are the vehicle that God chooses to use to reach those who are closest to you. You are the light of the world before them. And you need that relationship repaired. Maybe you need strength. Maybe you just need God to touch you, to give you a fresh perspective, a fresh vision for the assignment on your life. Whatever your need is tonight, 
If you have that need, come forward for prayer. Father, tonight we thank you. We thank you that you're calling us. That we are part of that remnant. That you have selected, that you have placed your hand upon us. To represent you in the earth at this season. God, we acknowledge that tonight. And you said, if any man will come after me. You said, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow you so tonight Lord we ask you for the grace father the grace the grace first to recognize and understand that yes you have called us you said you have not chosen me but I chose you and I ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. We stand here tonight, God. We come before you tonight. We ask you for fresh revelation, fresh perspective, fresh vision. For you, Lord, you, you Holy Spirit, are the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You instruct us and teach us in the way that we should go. You guide us with your eye you reveal to us all truth so we lift up our eyes unto the hills from which cometh thy help and we ask you God tonight Lord that you would just anoint us again give us a fresh anointing a fresh mantle to recognize that with all that we might have to put up with wherever you have planted us we'll put up with it in the name of Jesus knowing that your grace is sufficient for us for your strength is made perfect in our weakness you said the things that we endure are simply a light affliction but they're only for a moment but they work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory help us father to present our bodies as a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable unto you to accept the call, the mantle that you placed on us. To accept, God, the grace that you give to us. And to, and to plow through where you have planted us. That we might be a light in a dark place. Father, I pray that you strengthen your people tonight. That you empower them, Lord. That you give them the tongue of the learned. That they will know how to speak a word to him that is weary in season. Help us, Lord, to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as we know our labor, it is never in vain in you. Help us to recognize this. Help us to know, God, what you've called us to. And that you will sustain us and you will carry us through whatever it is 
that we might represent the kingdom and make an impact for Christ. Father, I thank you tonight. I bless you tonight. I praise you tonight that you set before us an open door that no man can shut. I thank you that no weapon that's formed against us will prosper. I thank you that every tongue that would try to rise against us in judgment, you have already condemned it. For you said, this is the heritage of the servant of the Lord and our righteousness is of you. So Lord, set a covering over us. As we go about representing your kingdom, let your favor rest over our lives. We bless you for it. We thank you for it. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.